Welcome to our Triune Pod, where we prepare you to praise. I'm the Reverend Nick Comiskey. And I'm the Reverend Ben DeHart. Join us for a conversation about low-key theology, lived experience, and outlandish pop culture as we break down the collect of the day for the coming week. We hope it's an inspiring, maybe a bit irreverent, but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some God time. Welcome back to our Triune Pod with Nick and Ben. And I'm just happy to know, fellas, that Nick's still alive. I don't know if you've been paying attention to what's been happening in Texas. And maybe this is old news by the time this is aired, but I was really worried about Nick's safety. So Nick, how are you? Where are you sleeping? Do you have any hot water? What's going on? Yeah, man. Well, it's good to see your face, dude. I'm glad we could do this pod. I mean, like, obviously, the first priority once we got power back on was recording this podcast that about 40 people listen to every week. <laughs> we had to make sure the masses got what they wanted. Now, it's um, it's Friday, February 19th. Uh, man, I've had a lot of people text me, like, from outside of, out of the state, including you, like, hey, how are things going? Like, is it as bad down there as people are saying? And let me just say definitively that you cannot emphasize enough how crazy it was these last few days. I mean, it was like, it was like living in a failed state. I mean, that's what it felt like. Wow. Like, cause we got, you know, people from the Northeast and I used to live in the Northeast. People are like, Oh, I don't know, man. It's just six inches of snow. What's the big deal. It's like, well, imagine if six inches of snow and ice covered a city on Sunday night and the city did not own a single snowplow or salt truck. So the roads are just, every road is covered in six inches of snow and ice and not one of them, literally not one of them is treated. And no wow. one's pipes are winterized. Um, so everyone's, you know, and the, the big issue, I, I mean, I don't need to go into the technicalities of this. My wife works in energy so she's helped me kind of understand, but basically half of the city did not have power for like 48 hours. So there was a two day period where not a single store was open where no one had power. And like, unless you had a four wheel drive vehicle, you really could not drive. Like, I mean, my, my favorite moment, I've texted a couple people with this, like, it's like the one anecdote that just illustrates this. Like on Tuesday afternoon, I have a four wheel drive car. So I was, I was able to like, go visit some people from our church and like literally bring them water and food because they just had nothing. I mean, wow. honestly, it's like, I can't emphasize it enough, dude. It was insane. So it was Tuesday afternoon and I had driven, I had driven around a lot. I had seen 500 stores, I, you know, probably I, I bet five of them were open and one of them that was open in this massive strip mall was a KFC and there were probably <laughs> like 45 cars in the drive-thru and the line was moving so slow that I saw several people like with like that their car was basically just parked in the drive-thru lane and their trunk was open and they were like rearranging things in their trunk I guess to make room for the 20 piece it was just like 40 piece <laughs> For, yeah, for real. I mean, I, I'm assuming they just like open until they ran out of food, man. Um, wow. I don't know. I, look, we were, I mean, I was never actually in danger, but um, yeah, I mean, my, my, my power was out for like three, three and a half, four days. And when the power came back on, it was 38 degrees inside my house and our hot water heater burst. So we're not going to have all, I mean, like a lot of people like, you know, had piping issues and the, the plumbers are saying like, it's going to be like a month. Wow. So like, we're pretty fortunate in that it was just our hot water heater so we can run water in our house. But like a lot of people aren't gonna have water in their homes for like two, three weeks. I mean, it's kind of like, dude, it was kind of like, I'll stop after this. It was like six months of the pandemic bottled up into like four days. 
Like imagine all the societal upheaval and like panic and like uncertainty and just like compress it in a 72 hour period. And that's what Monday through Wednesday felt like. Wow. So how did you feel about uh, Ted Cruz abandoning you guys in your hour of greatest need? I mean, look, Ted Cruz is an, is an asshole. Like, I mean, like, I don't know, like that, I didn't really learn anything new. Like that wasn't, I mean, I, I did, uh, you know, Alan Jacobs, right? I mean, yeah. he's like, you know him as like a, a, as a public figure. I, I do think, okay, he wrote, he wrote this thing. Can I just quote him? Uh, I, I'm just going to go off on a little soapbox here. Uh, the most, this is Alan Jacobs. The most simply annoying element of the whole situation has been the constant noise of accident. Oh, sorry, Alan Jacobs lives in Texas, so he's been through this. He lives in Central Texas. The constant noise of axes grinding among the politicians and communitariat, people who talk, whether the lefties gleefully mocking Texas as a third world nation, their rhetoric is indistinguishable from Trump's with his sneers at shithole countries. Are the right-wingers blaming everything on wind turbines and are Joe Biden's powers of weather manipulation? <laughs> the greatest frustration I have with American axe grinding is the way everyone always grinds the same axe, grinds it to absolute powder, then grabs a clone of it and starts grinding that. For partisans on both sides, every story has a moral and every story has exactly the same moral. And they never stop chanting it, transfixed as they are, by their politico-verbal OCD. Drop mm. the fucking mic. Sorry, man, I need to stop quick swearing. <laughs> well, thank I haven't you. had a lot of sleep. <laughs> but you, man, it's, isn't that as incredible? I mean, uh, oh, look, great. obviously the most annoying thing about this is not having water or power, but like in the, in the world that is social media, it's like, this can't not be politicized. It's like, can we just say this is terrible and people are suffering and can we help them? Can yeah. we not just use this as ammo for our ideological war, whether yeah. you're on the right or the left? But anyway, oh, okay, I got, I got a question for you, man. I know like, I know Wednesday was a really hard day for you. I mean, I was in a house that was in the high thirties and didn't have water. And you know, my wife was kind of in a crisis, but, but two of your heroes, uh, Rush Limbaugh and Carmen <laughs> left this earth in rapid succession. So how are you doing, man? What's, what's going on in your uh, soul? Oh, wait, who was the second? I heard Rush Limbaugh. I know about that. Who, who's the other person? Is it, is it Carmen? The like Christian rock God? Oh, I didn't is that his know name? about this. Is it Car Cartman or Carmen? I think it's Carmen, but he okay, yeah. rushed yeah, the I mean, same day. Well, yeah, Carmen died, and you know there was like a you know a little a little murmur on the internet, yeah, like those Christian rock bloggers were just getting their think pieces ready, <laughs> and then Rush Limbaugh died, or they announced his death like sixty minutes later. So poor Carmen, man, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. <laughs> wasn't able to get his full shake. Oh man, I, I remember there was a song called "Righteous Invasion of Truth" that Carmen wow. came out with. Riot, a riot. Wow, we want a righteous like, invasion of truth. Sounds like my wedding night, brother. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. Wow, man, guys, friends, he he's out of it. He hasn't slept. Don't don't tell, hold it against him. So, but yeah, I, I think the end is unrelated. I think I I have seen more and more of these like, well, now that you're done making fun of Texas, maybe we can help out. So maybe donate to to somebody trying to help out some Texans. So with that said, let's get to the actual colic for the second Sunday in Lent. And it is a doozy. So let's pray. Oh God, whose glory it is always to have mercy. Be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word, Jesus Christ, your son, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns one God, 
forever and ever. Amen. Amen, Nick. What do you do with this collect? First thing I do is marvel at the brevity and the profundity of the mm. opening lines. Oh God, whose glory it is always to have mercy. I think that I think the prayer could stop right there and it would be it'd be worth inclusion in the prayer book. Isn't it? Indeed. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. I mean, that's I really actually, all I prepared for, to be completely honest. Because I, I think a, um, <laughs> Yeah. Keep I have going. a memory. I have a memory of you, Ben. Um in seminary and the seminary we attended you know we did morning prayer and evening prayer every day and oftentimes the open intercession forum became a way for people to kind of like express what they thought about the world um and i remember i have this very strong memory in one of those kind of fervent whatever prayer times you just said with utter simplicity god i thank you that your glory is always to have mercy and that's all you said and it's like damn that's good so i don't know man that's cool i have a, I have a personal memory of you as related to this prayer and I hope that that was me actually meaning that and not simply being like, screw you to all of you who don't like grace. <laughs> just just <laughs> owning owning the Pelagians. Yeah, good yeah, man. I hope not. I hope not. So, yeah. And I so, yeah, that first line, oh God, whose glory it is always to have mercy. When we think of glory, we think of, I mean, I don't know, what do you think of? I, I think of uh, majesty. I think about... Uh, the show, the crown and uh, the, the royal family and all their splendor. And here in this prayer, we say that God's glory is mercy, which is so backward, right? Like why wouldn't God's glory be uh, just, you know, God talking to Moses on the mountain, giving the 10 commandments, the, you know, the thunder roaring, but here we're saying that God's glory um is almost like af after we sin, after we fall short, the glory of God is not in the thunder and then the lightning, but is in saying, I love you anyway, uh, which is, I mean, that's so good. I really do. Like, I kind of sort of think we can stop there. I mean, the, the colic doesn't. The colic does say, make clear, bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word. So it's the college isn't leaving us in like, it, again, as we talked about last week, you know, sin so that grace may abound. And no one's really saying that. But despite that, despite the college saying, Lord, help us to begin again, the emphasis, right, is that his glory is in having mercy. So that well never dries up. It's like that, you know, when Jesus, when the disciples asked Jesus, how many times should we forgive? And he says, 70 times, seven times, and just infinite. This is where his glory resides. It's awesome. Yeah, no, that's good, man. Yeah, where my mind went was like, it's very hard in human relationships to imagine a world where someone truly does not act out of self-interest or someone who's who's pure and utter delight is to like raise you up and elevate you with no thought for their own you know self-standing and i just i mean i don't know if that that true form of altruism is possible i think we're somewhat trapped in our own egos right but i think what i think what this colleague is saying is that god is truly like non-competitive in that way like god's glory is to have mercy and when we come into the presence of god our good is god's um in some ways like supreme aim you know i think that is a, a very profound at least to me a very like helpful and heartening thing that it's god's glory like god is at his best when he's elevating 
those who are, have been brought low. Um, and that's what God delights to do. Um, it's just, it's very hard to uh, analogize that in an experience because most relationships don't work like that. Like even people that are extremely kind, you kind of get the sense that there's, there's something in this for them. And that's not a criticism. Like I'm, I'm like that too. I just think God is so, you know, in that way, God is qualitatively different than any other. He's not like the old man in the sky or, you know, he's not like just the highest, the highest, uh, the highest being on the level of being like he exists, God exists in a completely different category. His glory is always to have mercy. There's no one else that functions like that. Yeah. And I think, yeah, this seems to be what, you know, while religious studies world comparative religious studies show that there are a lot of similarities, uh, between different religions and how they view God, but this is where Christianity really is distinct for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is unique. It's it's not that in the other religions there's not a sense of mercy, but here we have like the supreme aim is mercy. His glory is to have mercy. And what's the word in between that? Always to have mercy. Not just sometimes, it's it's always. This really is one of those things where when you meditate on it, it's almost it can bring you to a state of euphoria because it's just like, this is too good to be true. Um, and yet this is what we proclaim. <laughs> yeah, man, that's good. Yeah. Um, let's just talk briefly about the second, you know, the actual prayer. Um, the, what we're what we ask God to do is to be gracious to those who have gone astray and to bring them again uh, to embrace and hold fast the un unchangeable truth of your word, Jesus Christ, your son. So I, I what I, my guess is that this prayer is reflecting what is what was kind of more historically the practice of Lent, which was a time, you know, we say that in the invitation to a holy Lent, it was a time when people who had been kind of estranged from the church were like, in some ways brought back into the fellowship. And so this prayer is, it's not so much for, uh, it's for people who for one reason or another do not find themselves in the company of the people of God. And we're asking that God would be gracious to them and would bring them back. Right. And, um, so the, the biblical passage, I know this is not in the actual lectionary like for this Sunday, but the biblical passage that I think illustrates what, what we're saying both in the inscription and the actual request is the, the parable of the prodigal son or the prodigal father. It's a God who, like the father, is not ashamed to you know, pursue and to run after. His glory is to have mercy. Hmm. And the end result is the wayward son being brought back into the feast, penitent hearts and steadfast face, embracing and holding fast the unchangeable truth of your word. And the, um, maybe we could close with this, uh, the, uh, that thinking about what, what, can, what might it look like for this colic to be indeed answered? It reminded me of this wonderful line from uh, Robert Capon, uh, you know, you know, I, of course, you know who that is. You probably introduced me to him. Um, so he has this wonderful article, our little reflection, uh, and we'll end with this. It's called Heaven is Miller Time. On Shelter Island, where I used to live, there's an odd local custom. Every Friday evening at exactly five minutes of five, the fire siren goes off. For years, I wondered about it. What was the point? They tested the siren every day at noon, so it couldn't be that. I even asked around, but nobody seemed to know a thing about it. Then one day, it finally dawned on me. Rather than run the risk that the festivity of the rural weekend be delayed even one minute beyond the drudgery of the working week, some gracious soul had decided to proclaim the party from the top of the firehouse. The 455 siren 
was the drinking siren, Miller time on Shelter Island. Heaven is Miller time. Heaven is the party in the streaming sunlight of the world's final afternoon. Heaven is when all the rednecks, all the wood butchers, all the plumbers who never showed up, all the losers who never got anything right, and all the winners who just gave up on winning, simply waltz up to the bar of judgment with full pay envelopes and get down to the serious drinking that makes the new creation go around. It is a bash that has happened, that insists upon happening, and that is happening now. And by the sweetness of its causation, cessation, it drowns out all the party poopers in the world. Heaven, in short, is fun. And if you don't like that, you can just go to, well, you'll have to use your imagination. You'll need it. Heaven is the only bar in town. Oh, with that said, Oh, God. Yeah, oh, God, whose glory it is always to have mercy. Be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word, Jesus Christ, your son, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns one God forever and ever. Amen. about that episode of our triune pod now that you've been prepped for praise won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review we promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming so be sure to join us for another episode of your new favorite podcast